Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. With me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Have you visited our website, foiradio.org? After this episode ends, I invite you to visit us. If you haven't been there, we have over eight years worth of programming on our site for you to listen to. Again, that's foiradio.org. Steve, we're continuing our series on King David. Last week, we looked at David as the shepherd king. And this week, we're going to look at David as the warrior king and what he did for Israel by helping expand Israel's territory and to really make it a place that was safe, where the people of Israel could almost rest for a moment from all of their enemies. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today as we study the life of King David. We look forward to it, Chris. But first in the news, the Jerusalem Post reports that the Israeli government will approve a plan to fund, develop, and protect ancient Jewish archaeological sites in Area C of the West Bank, which is known in Israel as Judea and Samaria. There are over 3,000 antiquity sites in the West Bank, of which some 80% are in Area C, a region that's under Israeli military and civilian control. Well, Steve, here's my take. Netanyahu's office said that the region of Judea and Samaria, which is also called the West Bank, is of significant international and national historical and archaeological importance. And yet nearly 1,000 archaeological sites in this area have been damaged. This move will ensure that Jewish heritage in the land is not erased by those hostile to the state of Israel. Continuing our series on King David. Now, last week, we looked at David through the lens of a shepherd, and we saw that David would use his resume as a shepherd to show that he was capable of putting to rest Israel's enemies. Remember Goliath and the Philistines. David would not only tell King Saul that he was brave enough to tackle the Goliath problem, but that he was willing to risk his life, just like a shepherd does, to rescue God's flock. Israel from their enemy. David believed that he could take down Goliath because David trusted in God's word. He knew that the creator of heaven and earth was on his side. So David wasn't just a shepherd. He was showing that he was capable of being a king who could lead and guide his people in the ways of the Lord. Now, if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's program, I'd encourage you to go to foiradio.org and there in our archives page, you can hear our first installment of the David series and nearly eight years of teaching. Again, that's foiradio.org. Okay, so after David killed Goliath, of course, Saul is wondering, who is this boy? And at the end of 1 Samuel 17, Saul asked David, whose son are you, young man? And David replied, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, in Bethlehem. 
David quickly rose to stature in Saul's court. Now, now remember from last week that at this point, the Holy Spirit that endowed Saul with the kingship of Israel was taken from him and placed on David when Samuel anointed him with oil. So at this point, Saul is still king in the eyes of the people of Israel, but David is king in the eyes of God. I always like to say that King David, when you're reading his story in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, King David had a first coming and a second coming. His first coming as king starts when he's anointed as the king in Bethlehem as a young man in 1 Samuel 16. And throughout 1 Samuel, you're going to see that David is striving to show that he is the true king of Israel, while Saul is attempting to squash David. David's kingship didn't start with an easy rise to the throne. No, instead, he's going to struggle with opposition in 1 Samuel constantly. His second coming, though, happens after the death of Saul. His second coming is seen in 2 Samuel, which details his rise to the throne and how he unifies the scattered tribes of Israel. He makes Jerusalem the capital. He pushes back all of Israel's enemies and connects the people of Israel with the God of Israel. He is a warrior king. But let's go back to the moment after David killed Goliath. Saul brought David into his court. And the text says in 1 Samuel 18 that Saul retained David on that day and did not allow him to return to his father's house. It says that in verse 5 of chapter 18. It says, on every mission on which Saul sent him, David achieved success. So Saul appointed him over the men of war. This pleased not only all the army, but also Saul's servants. When the men arrived uh, after David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women from all the cities of Israel came out singing and dancing to meet King Saul. They were happy as they played their tambourines and three-stringed instruments. The women who were playing the music sang, Saul has struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. First Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse eight, it says that this made Saul very angry and the statement actually displeased him uh, in his thoughts as well. And he actually said to himself, they have attributed to David tens of thousands, but to me, they have attributed only thousands. What does he lack except the kingdom? So Saul was keeping an eye on David from that day onward. Listen, David's position as a man over the men of war could be considered an administrative position, like a secretary of the army. He would have been an individual who strategized military advancements successfully, and it would have been God that was with him. And Saul feared David's rise to political fame in Israel. And so he moved him from the administrative aspects of, of, of war to the front lines. And you can read about that in 1 Samuel eighteen twelve. It says, so Saul feared David because the Lord was with David, but he had departed from Saul. So Saul removed David from his presence and made him a commanding officer. David led the army out to battle and back. Now David achieved success in all that he did for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he was the one leading them out to battle and back. David, 
the warrior continued to prove that God was on his side. Even Saul knew this. And at the end of 1 Samuel 18, it says this, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his uh, daughter Michal loved David, Saul became even more afraid of him. Saul continued to be at odds with David from then on. And you can read about that. The leaders of the Philistines would actually march out. And as often as they did so, David achieved even more success than all of Saul's servants. His name was held in high esteem. David's political career would be launched by his military prowess. And when we return, I want to look deeper at David, the warrior, after he became Israel's king. But before we do that, I want to share about our new two-day nationwide conference that focuses on biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah. It's called our Proclaim Conference, where you can dive deep into topics that will ignite your heart for God's chosen people and his plan for Israel. Our passionate Bible teachers will expound on God's word, leaving the listener encouraged and full of hope. This year's topic is called The World on Edge, where you're going to discover how the sweeping global changes that we are witnessing relate to God's ongoing conflict with Satan and his plan to triumph over the evil one. You'll be strengthened in your faith and grow in the hope to endure in these troubling days. We have two more opportunities for you this year to join our Proclaim Conference. The first is in Tampa, Florida on September 29th and 30th, 2023 at the Word of Life Bible Institute. And finally, this fall, October 13th and 14th, 2023, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, at Lancaster Bible College. We hope to see you at one of our conferences this summer. And to learn more or how you can register for these free events, go to foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Continuing our series on David, and today we are looking at David, the warrior king. David proved in 1 Samuel that he was capable of handling Israel's enemies. Whenever he strategized or led armies against Israel's enemies, namely the Philistines in 1 Samuel, God was with him and he would win decisive battles. He was so famous that the women wrote a song about him. Saul has struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Oh, this song annoyed Saul to death. I I mean, he was so enraged and jealous of David's fame that was spreading all throughout the land. 
But after Saul's death at the end of 1 Samuel, when David became the king of Israel, he fought a series of strategic wars that were both offensive and defensive, putting to rest those who threatened his kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. David's military success not only expanded their territory, giving them more land, giving more land to each of the tribes, he also extended Jerusalem's influence and control beyond the land of Israel as far as Syria. David built a specialized army composed of mercenaries from various backgrounds. These included the Hittites, the Philistines, the Ammonites, and the Israelites. In fact, the group was called the Thirty. It was an inner circle of fighting men of unquestioned loyalty to David. And you can read all about the 30 in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 through 39. Now, David's first order of business as the king of Israel was to neutralize the Philistine threat, which he did by gaining control of the lowlands of Israel, which are called the Shephelah. This is an area between the Philistine cities on the coast of the Mediterranean and the Judean mountains. Now, after that, the Philistines who plagued Saul's reign ceased from being a threat to Israel. David then moved to the Transjordan, which today is modern Jordan. He waged campaigns against the Moabites and Edomites, both areas directly west and southwest of Jerusalem. And later, David would have conflict with the Aramean kingdoms to the north of Israel. Here, David suffered humiliation and major defeat. In fact, It was during these campaigns in the north where David committed his greatest sins against Bathsheba and her husband, Uriah, who, think about this, was among the 30 specialized fighters loyal to David that I mentioned earlier. Eventually, David conquered the Aramean kingdoms and established a garrison in Damascus. Listen, David's military accomplishments enlarged Israel's territory. Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. It was a strategic area of trade. He brought into control the Jezreel Valley, the Shephelah, the Galilee, and the Transjordan. All of these became part of David's kingdom. Even Ammon, Moab, Edom, and the Aramean kingdoms paid tribute to David by sending money to Jerusalem. Now, when David died in 960 BC, he made Israel a force to be reckoned with. He gave Israel a stable political foundation upon which his son Solomon could build. Do you remember when I said when you read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, it seems like David has a first coming and a second coming as king? The reader of those two biblical books knows with certainty that David is the king in both of them. He is a king in 1 Samuel, uh, even though he's proving his kingship through great opposition. And he even has a small group. Think about this in 1 Samuel, a small group of 400 people who follow him. But listen to who these 400 people were in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. It says, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, speaking about going and following David. And he became commander over them. And there they were about 400 men. He was king to those who were distressed, in debt, bitter in soul. These were political and social dissidents. These were the outcasts of society. These were the ones who would actually follow David. But when you get to the book of 2 Samuel, King David is seen on his throne with a nation that supports him and an army made up of people from all over, loyal to the king as he establishes God's law in the land. 
You know, there are so many connections between Jesus and David. And the reason I say David had a first coming and, uh, in 1 Samuel and a second coming in 2 Samuel is because I see a unique connection between David and Jesus. Jesus's first coming is documented in the Gospels. And think about it. When we read the Gospels, we all know that he is the king of Israel and the savior of the world. But there was another person on the throne at that time. However, Jesus proved that God was with him, working through him, through his teaching and the myriad of miracles that he did. Jesus even had a small band of outcasts and dissidents who followed him, 12 to be exact, who became loyal to him. These were fishermen and tax collectors. These were not the elite of Jewish society in the first century. Just think about it. Even the thief or criminal on the cross said to Jesus as they both hung there, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus died a sinner's death on the cross, but he rose victoriously three days later. Now, now here's the thing. Jesus is coming back again. We always say, and you've probably heard this before, Jesus came the first time as the lamb of God, but at his second coming, he'll return as the lion of Judah, a warrior who will take care of Israel's enemies and the biggest enemy of all, sin. Isaiah the prophet says this, for a child has been born unto us, a son has been given. He shoulders responsibility and is called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and his dominion will be vast and he will bring immeasurable prosperity. He will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom. When Isaiah the prophet envisioned the coming of Jesus here, he calls him a wonderful counselor. Now listen, he's not talking about a great counselor you can share your deepest thoughts with. He's actually talking about a military strategist, just like his father, David. And notice when, and notice whose throne is Jesus sitting on in Isaiah? He's sitting on David's throne over David's kingdom. King David was a warrior king. That can sound real tough. But next week, we're going to dive into the spiritual side of David, and we're going to see his heart as a man after God's own heart. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Sfi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Sfi. Not long ago, I was out walking and four ultra-Orthodox men stopped me on the street. Do you recognize us? We had a long conversation with you more than a year ago, and you promised to continue our conversation, so are you ready? I am always ready. We spoke about this man, one said. By this man, they meant Jesus. The Orthodox will not say his name. My job is not to speak to you about a mere man, but I will be happy to continue our conversation about the need to have faith in the Lord, according to the Bible. 
You put your faith in fictional stories and in your rabbis. Then one asked me which God I believe in. They do not understand we believe in a single God composed of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I showed them Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, which they chant three times daily in their synagogues, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One man angrily asked me, In how many gods have you believed? We know whom you worship. How did you find him? This is a good question, I replied. If you read from God's word alone, you will learn how to know the Lord personally. Show us where this is written, one said. I opened my Bible to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it is written, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I told them, You are in darkness. If you will worship God alone, then you will see the great light. What great light? one asked. So I showed them Isaiah 9, where it is written, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They examined it closely to make sure it was the Bible. Then they wanted to know which rabbi taught me this. I told them, I do not learn from rabbis. I learn from the Bible. One replied, Most Christians speak about this Holy Spirit. But faith in such a one is against our religion. So I asked them if they considered King David a Christian. No, they all declared. He was a good Jew. So I asked if they believe what is written in the Psalms. Of course, they all replied. Please read Psalm 51. Pay attention to verse 11. Since you say only Christians believe in the Holy Spirit, they read, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. They were shocked. I cannot believe what I have just read. I said, There is a big difference between those who trust in the Lord and His Word, and those of you who trust in stories and the words of men. Please pray that these men will study the Bible on their own and let the Holy Spirit speak to them through it. The impact of Zvi's life and ministry in Israel, it didn't end when he went home to be with the Lord. In fact, Zvi's legacy lives on. Our Friends of Israel ministry representatives continue to share the gospel in Jerusalem, Israel, and really all throughout the world. We also serve Holocaust survivors and their families. We provide free food, medicine, and clothing, and we even promote the safety and security of the state of Israel and the Jewish people everywhere. So when you give to the Friends of Israel, your donation actually allows us to advance the gospel of our Messiah, Jesus. You can give online by visiting foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. You can click right there on our donate link. Also, be sure to let us know where you listen when you contact us.
Thank you so much for joining us this week. Chris, will continue our series on David next week. We've seen David as a shepherd last week. Today, you spoke of David as a warrior. Where are we headed next time? Yeah, David had a soft side as well. Uh, he was a poet. He, he, he performed music and all of it directed to the Lord, sometimes in difficult moments, but also sometimes in just giving thanks to the Lord. So we're going to look at David, the psalmist next week. We look forward to it. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeon, edited by Jeremy Strong, who also composed and performs our theme music, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold, and I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. Our mailing address is FOI Radio, PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. And one last quick reminder to visit us at foiradio.org. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry, proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah, while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people. 